Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the soporific Matt. Hello there. So Matt, uh, sleep no more today mm. um, is on the agenda, um, which I think will be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I, I only watched it this morning. Um, is that with? Um, oh no, we're recording on a Sunday, so you, you at least I, be over your hangover. I least. wasn't hungover. Uh, I just scheduled to watch it yesterday, and I was just like, can't be bothered. So I just left it last minute. I'll be honest, Matt. Um, this was one of those ones where I was a little bit dragging my heels <laughs> to get to it. We'll talk about it more in due course, but yep. uh, um, I wasn't. I wasn't going in. Uh, uh, as a sort of bundle of enthusiasm, we'll put it that way. Um, but I'm assuming we've got some other stuff to uh, to go through. We've got our usual features, Meal of the Week, Would I Lie to Who? Yeah, non-Doctor that's Who television of... highlight of the week. Oh, that's official now, is it? <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a thing? All right, okay. It... Yeah, so normally when I write my little running order, I put everything in its initials, so like W-I-L-T-W, Would I Lie to Who? Uh, but yep. today I've gone for N-D-W-T-H-O-T-W, non-Doctor Who television highlight of the week. Well, why don't we start there then, Matt? Uh, what was your non-Doctor Who television highlight of the week? Um, I, I'm i going to go big and I'm backing Mike Wozniak to win Taskmaster. Oh, um, he deserves to after his performance on uh, this week's episode. He, he's been... He's up there with, like, all-time greats, I would say. I love how much he wants to win. But he wants to win, but sensible not in a boring way. Yeah, like, he, he just gets it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I wasn't with someone who I'd, I'd been sort of aware of, but but he's never... He's, he's one of those names in British comedy. He's never really kind of... He's not, you know, in the big leagues, is he? He's not doing... <laughs> all the big panel shows and stuff. But I I really hope that off the back of this, we see a lot more of him on our screens. Yeah, uh, I, I think like amazing. the whole nation has just fallen in love with him after that uh, hoverboard segue task. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah the, 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 that was just a delight. Um, and have you seen the most recent episode? I'm caught up with episode two. Um I don't want to spoil it for our listeners if there are any Taskmaster watchers. I mean, though, it will have been out a little while, but uh, there's a balloon-related task in episode two, and his efforts in it are nothing short of heroic. Yeah, I, I just want him to be my friend. Yeah. So yeah, Incredible stuff. I, I'm going for yeah. Taskmaster. Also, me and my wife have finished watching Friends, uh, so randomly, yeah. I don't really know why we've started. We've started watching The Vicar of Dibley on Netflix. <laughs> I don't know that I could. It's funny. It's never, funnier than I remember. Shows for me. I remember yeah. it when I was younger, thinking, "Oh, this is stupid. I don't like this." And actually, it's all right. It's a bit harmless. It's fun. just, yeah, it's just very broad, isn't it? It's very broad, Vicar Dibley, but not in a not in a bad way at all. Um, it's just funny. It's it's kind of it came on like that tail end of proper traditional sitcoms, didn't it? Yeah. Um. I uh, I've also been watching a lot of sitcom stuff this week. Um, just to be honest, I, I've I've been a bit down this week. I I, I won't lie. Oh, that, that's a, out been... of character for you. Is everything all right? 
<laughs> just uh, yeah, just work stuff getting on top of me at the moment. It's been a really, really grueling year so far, work-wise. I'm glad you said yeah. Really... I thought you were going to say really grueling couple of days. I was like, this couple of days has been going on a long time, David. <laughs> um, but yeah, and 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 so I just wanted some comfort, and I took. Uh, I found it in the form of just rewatching Community. I started it from the beginning. I don't like Community. I'm going to go on record. I don't think it's that good. Uh, People go mad for it. That I yeah, I I totally get why people don't like it. It's not for everyone. It absolutely isn't. But um, I kind of got on on board with Community really early on. Like we're talking, I think. When season one was airing, there'd been like three or four episodes out and someone mentioned it on a on a forum I was frequenting at the time. So I just grabbed them and started watching and was hooked straight away. So I've, you know, it's a show I basically followed from the beginning. Um, but the later seasons I've never rewatched. So I was like, I'm just going to start from the very beginning with it. Um, and it, it's a bumpy ride community. And if you're not in the mood for some quite self-indulgent, humor like it definitely it pats itself on the back about how clever it is sometimes and sometimes that's earned sometimes it isn't but um yeah all in all it it, it just it takes me it, it, it just it puts me back in a simpler time because it you know it was 2009 that first season aired and so it's a, a proper nostalgia watch for me at this point um but yeah uh, Having said all that, Taskmaster this week wins it again. I think it, we're, we're probably going to be like a stuck record for the next few weeks with yeah. this segment, aren't I, we? I think when uh, Would I Lie to Who runs out of steam, I'll think of some sort of Taskmaster-related quiz we can do. Uh, that would be fun. Um, and I, You know what? We should probably briefly at least touch on Division because I am now caught up on WandaVision. Uh, that's, that's old hat. I've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> I've watched the first episode of that as well, but I've not watched the the, the second yet. So right. don't forget, um, we record a week in advance, so that means we're reviewing the biggest TV event of the year a month after it finished. Yeah, probably. But I mean, can we can we can we chat about it briefly? You've got thirty seconds of my time. Uh, it was pretty good overall. I enjoyed it. I think it. I think it maybe ran out of steam a little bit towards the end. One division, but it, it kind of in a. It was just that thing of like it had been so, you know, it's so unique, so experimental at times, and inevitably, it kind of all of that slowly unspools until all you're left with is the the superhero skeleton underneath. Right, that that's, that's 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, I'm just teasing you. you. I, I really liked it. I thought it was brilliant. But yeah. It's the sort of thing that's right up my alley. Definitely. I mean, I did say to, to my partner, who's not... She's not into the Marvel stuff at all, um, or indeed any superhero stuff. She just doesn't really get the appeal. And I said to her, this to me is one of the first superhero-related properties on film or TV that, that I think properly captures how weird comics can be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I just think there's not been much out there that really kind of gets just how experimental a form 
comics can be at times. Um, so it, that was really gratifying to see, and and I hope, I hope it's emboldened Disney and Marvel to to keep doing that kind of stuff, keep pushing boundaries and and trying different things. So uh, you know, we we shall see, we shall see what the future holds for that. Um, Do you want to talk about the end of Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad whilst we're discussing out of date TV? <laughs> You know, we can talk about the premiere of Lost if you want. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can talk going all the way back to the Vicar of Dibley. Yeah, all right. Lay off. (laughs) So, um, what do you want to talk about now? Food or Doctor Who? Uh, What if I said, David, that I've been playing the Doctor Who computer game this week the silent assassins i'll be very jealous because i did end up succumbing i i forked over my three quid um i installed it on my phone uh it loaded the you know it played the theme tune uh got to the the menu screen i hit new game and it crashed Uh and it has continued to do that every time i've tried to load it so my phone is just too too basic it's not happy with it at all well you're not really missing out oh really i've heard nothing but good things it it's it's a pretty good idea but you just do the same thing over and over and over Uh... you basically look at some pictures read some emails and then it'll ask you to solve a puddle puzzle that's like incredibly easy yeah, and then that unlocks some new pictures for you to look at. I, I I have played it. I've played a good deal of it. I'd be surprised if I was less than halfway through it. Like I committed yeah. a good few hours to it. Um, yeah, and and I've heard it's it's not a long game overall. So no, but it it's very very one dimensional. It's just the same thing over and over again. Well. I don't know. I'm still curious to try it. I'm hoping. You I, th- know, I think I'll play it to they'll... completion, but yeah, that's probably just they'll... more due to my OCD than the game being any good. <laughs> well, fingers crossed, they either patch it or I'll d- either either that or I'll just have to wait until I upgrade my my device at some point. But um, yeah, I, I'll definitely play it when I get the opportunity to. Um, It's it's not like it has a high bar to clear to be the best Doctor Who video game of all time. Do you think it would be better than Top Trumps? So from what you're saying, it certainly sounds like it would be. And, and you know, it scores points for me in that it's more narrative-based and uh, Osgood is involved. Uh, yeah, How do you feel about like, Osgood being... Basically, like, all, all, all that you do is when you solve a puzzle is you send her the answer. And she like goes, wow, here's the next puzzle... <laughs> that sounds great, and and for how clever she is in the TV show, she's really dumb in this game. She's like, oh, I've like, got I've got these four pieces sort- of a jigsaw, and I just can't put them together. <laughs> I think part of this is the challenge you face doing a Doctor Who video game, um, in that it's a property that is target you target age is sort of like five six and up right so for a video game you need something that is accessible to smart kids 
or even you know just regular kids to be honest um but then you've got this large adult fan base and it's it's easy it's easy with it for the show to please both camps i think it's more challenging to make a, a video game that's going to be equally appealing to both of those demographics yeah uh it's so easy <laughs> that's all i can really say about it sounds better than that DS game, at least. Oh, Evacuation Earth. Yeah, because that was genuinely insulting. Uh, wait, um, wait till you have a go at this. Yeah. Oh uh, well, I'll report back one day, listeners. Who knows when that will be? Because, yeah. uh, as I say, as things stand, I don't seem to own a device that will actually support it. So, yeah. I've got two weeks off um, work, so I'll probably play a little bit more. Cool. So then, what 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 were you been eating this week, Matt? Um, it, it's been it's been a a light week. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but basically, my my wife's grandfather's pretty unwell, so she hasn't been home right. a lot this week. Yeah. So there's been a lot of just takeaway pizzas and cheese toasties. Yeah. But fair enough. That said, last weekend after we recorded. I did go to Booths. Oh, come on then. Booths update. So, Here we go. I, I haven't been to Booths this week because on Friday when I finished work for two weeks, I was driving home and my car died. Oh. Uh, and then funnily enough, now it's Sunday and I normally go to Booths on a Saturday. It just works okay today. It's just decided it's ah. fixed. L- little Easter miracle. Three days later, like our Lord and Saviour. Yeah. But last week I did make a hot and spicy... Kima beef and pea matar goan curry. Ooh. So, um, I, I recognised some of those words and not others. So, it's uh, goan curry. Um, yeah. Beef is a, th- is a word I recognise. Yeah, so it's kima beef. That's um, just a posh word for mince. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, then so it had loads of beef. Be- loads of peas in it. Right, yeah. And... A- like curry spices, it was lovely. And was it just like a pre-made spice mix? Like, do you know what kind of spices were in there? Uh, it just said like curry spice. It was in a little pot because I get, yeah. I like to get the little recipe boxes from booths. Yeah. So everything was pre-made. So how would you how would you characterize it then? Is it did, did it taste very just? Dist- because I don't think I've ever had like any much in the way of uh, curries outside of uh, Indian and Thai. Uh, it's It was quite so. dry. There wasn't a lot of sauce going on. Okay. Uh, but it was lovely. And how, how, how spicy are we talking? How, if you're doing the old chilli peppers... Uh, hot, uh, hot enough to get a ledger. sweat on. If, if we're going by oh. the, uh, the Jaipur spice rating that seems to go from one yeah. to three chilies on like an entirely <laughs> subjective scale... Uh, yeah, I'd probably put it at around two, maybe three chilies. It was spicy. Yeah, sounds L- good. Loads of garlic. I'll as tell you well. that's a, that's something I I miss at the moment. Ha- having a toddler, we can't like cook anything spicy at home, unless you, you're cooking two separate meals. And who has the energy to do that and do two two amounts of washing up? So, mm. um, yeah, I don't get to eat anywhere near as much spicy food as I used to. I am really starting to miss that. Just put less chilli in his. Yeah, but it, it, to be honest, he's not really at a stage where he's even 
anything like curry or anything where it's, you've got lots of stuff very mixed up together, mm-hmm. he's generally not on board with. He needs his food to be like fairly separated. Um, and it's just a phase a lot, uh, you know, a lot of toddlers go through where it's just like, you know, they'll quite happily eat all the individual components of a thing. But if you put it all together, they're just like, what is this? I'm not touching that. Mm. Um, and actually, we had that with my uh, meal of the week. So, shall I? Shall I? Can I just clarify? Is the curry? Does that make you meal of the week? Uh, I, I'm going to say the curry is probably my meal of the year. It's, prob- is it? it's probably it's, it's overtaken. I can't even remember what my last one was. It was a it was some like fancy chicken thing. Oh, yeah, it was my chicken catcher. Yeah, yeah. Go and curry beats that. Knocks the socks off it. Wow. Okay, well there you go, new front runner. Mm. Let's see how 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 long uh, it can uh, keep the crown. Um. So yeah, for for my meal of the the week, uh, little Absorbaloff has got a, a recipe book. I don't know if I mentioned it on pod or not, but we we got because he's really interested in cooking at the moment. He enjoys cook cooking more than he enjoys eating, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um. And so we got him this uh, vegetarian cookbook. It's, it's, I think it's literally called something like My First Vegetarian Cookbook, something like that. And it's really nice. It's got little cartoons of of vegetables, uh, you know, doing little dances and whatnot, and, like, proper decent recipes in there. And this week we decided to try their vegetable lasagna recipe because he just he likes the, the process of going through, following the instructions and stuff. Um, and... You know, sh- uh, my partner and I, we've been vegetarians a long time. We know how to make a vegetarian lasagna, right? We've we've done it countless times. And we've kind of settled on our own bodged way of doing it in the way everyone does. So it was kind of weird to suddenly be following a recipe for making something as, as simply, seemingly simple as a, a vegetable lasagna. But I'm going to be honest. It's my new recipe for for vegetable. I'm never making it any other way. How how, uh, how is it because... different? So the main the chief ways in which it was different was something I would never have thought to put in a vegetable lasagna was a little bit of rosemary. We got rosemary in the gardens. We just went and grabbed some. And you know, normally I'd just be sticking to basil and oregano. But oh my goodness, that little bit of rosemary in with the veg. It, it really lifted it in a way that I didn't expect. And the other thing was it you roasted the veg in the oven whilst you're preparing the sauce and then you combined it in with your tomato sauce. And again, that just, it, it really just bumped it up a notch in a way that I just, yeah. Normally we would have just See, like I, chucked I, it I'm all in. I'm not a vegetarian, in a, in a but I would have assumed it's like, Common sense that you would roast the veg first. No, Wouldn't it no, just be all like just, mushy just... beforehand? Like if you didn't. Well, no, because you just uh, you we'd we'd normally just you you know sh- like um, shallow fry in a saucepan before adding the tomatoes. You know. Mm-hmm. So you you still cooked through a bit, but um, yeah, no, it really it really kind of enhanced the flavors. I think. And it was all your usual suspects, aubergine, mushrooms, bit of carrot in there. Um, 
Yeah, it was just really, really good, Matt. Uh, so good, in fact, that not only does it make Wheel of the uh, Week for me, it's also my Meal of the Year now. Wow, two new Meals of the Year in one week. I won't sleep tonight. Yeah. That is exciting. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's going to take some beating. Oh, wow, I, it was trousers. really, yeah. And as as I, how 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 do you feel about se- uh, second day lasagna when it's uh, had, had twenty four hours to mature? Basically, the only bit of lasagna I really like is, well, I, I say that I really like lasagna, but second day I'm just going for that top layer. I just want a sheet oh, of lasagna, yeah. bechamel sauce, and cheese in some sort of horrendous skin like that, that's what i want <laughs> it's it's good stuff that's that that top player especially second day yeah but i i quite i it's one of those meals that i feel like age does slightly improve mm. like, like chili con carne chili yeah. con carne needs 24 hours to sit yeah to just like completely infuse mm. uh you're making me Hungry now. That. Oh, that is exciting. What do you have for breakfast today? Uh, we had some Easter bunny uh, shaped crumpets. Cool. Have you had lunch? Uh, kind of. Had some snacks at the park. Uh, I've gone the opposite. I didn't have breakfast today. Uh, yeah. But I, I had a lovely tuna sandwich for lunch. Right. So. Yeah, I can't go wrong with that. No. Um, so then, Matt, yeah. I believe it is your turn to su- supply me with two lies and a truth for Would I Lie to Who this week. Right. So I, far, is it... What's my score? What are the scores so it's far? something like 4-0. I've stopped counting. I think it is. I think it's 4-0. Right. I don't I, think you've managed to get one past me yet. I, so. haven't, I, I haven't scored. I know that much. I need... I need a bit of a run-up to today's Would I Lie to Who. Go for it. So I need to tell you a bit of a story first, and that'll segue nicely into Would I Lie to Who. So you might Okey-doke. you might remember last week, I said that I would commit to reading a Doctor Who book. You did. Okay. So I put it out on Twitter, like, what should I read? Okay. So... Yep. The two choices were the Doctor Who TV movie adaptation, because, you know, that's very dear to my heart. And then the Doctor Who twin dilemma, the novelisation. Yeah, is that just because you got that one knocking around? No, no, no. I have already bought one, but I sent it to Jake at Married to Who. Oh, you did. You sent it. I couldn't remember what ended up making it into the box and what didn't. Do you want to say hello to Married to Who this week? Hello, Married to Who. I was listening to your episode on uh, the Zygon two-parter yesterday. Well done. Yeah. Okay. And the other option was something else. So I've got the figures because I put a tw- uh, tweet, uh, uh, Twitter poll out. Sorry. So in last place, with twenty-nine percent of the votes, was the TV movie novelization. Oh, that's disappointing. That's the one that I'd be most interested in. Okay, you might just want to check your phone there, David. There might just be a little message coming through. Okay. Well, 
Jumped the gun a bit on that one, didn't I? Spent six quid, ordered it from Amazon, thinking it would win. Not going to read that now. New new edition as well, with with a nice new cover. If you're listening to this and you think, oh, I really want the Doctor Who TV movie book, just send me a tweet, you can have it. Uh, then in yeah. second place, Novel- novelised by fo- by former Doctor Who magazine editor Gary Russell. There, oh really? Yeah. I-, I did see. I he's also a- written some stuff for Big Finish. It's got a little like prologue bit where it talks about him taking the master to the Daleks, so it might clear that little bit up. Oh, that's intriguing. Yeah, one of the things that is very much a tradition within the the, the novelizations is that they they kind of are their own continuity. Mm. Like they will expand upon and change elements of the stories, and take you know take some big liberties at times. So yeah, I I, I am in, intrigued to see if it uh, if it improves the story in some ways. Yeah, it's got a little chapter called "Out with the Old." And I think that's trying to tie it together, like explaining yeah. where the TV show left off. Like it talks about how the Doctor misses Ace and stuff. And then there's In With The New, which I think is like where the movie begins. Intriguing. So yeah, if you want that, send me a tweet. I'll send it in the post to you. Uh, but yeah, 30% <laughs> something else. And the winner at 41% is the Twin Dilemma novelization? So I have ordered that from Amazon. It hasn't arrived yet, but I'll spend a bit of time That's, this week reading that. I want. I, I'm amazed. I'm kind of delighted that you've now ended up spending, like, buying two separate copies. Yeah, I know. Of the novelization of the Twin Dilemma. If if you got them both through Amazon, I wonder how much that has lifted it in in the the charts. Yeah. <laughs> In the last 12 months. So, yeah. Um, um, it, again, if you're listening to this, maybe order yourself a little copy, have a read, and then we can do like a little book club. You can send me a message on Twitter and we'll talk about the best bits. Awesome. But that leads into, David, Would I Lie to Who? Because It does. Right, okay. We've discussed our non-Doctor Who TV highlights of the week, but my yep. Doctor Who TV highlight of the week is... I thought I'd maybe just watch the Twin Dilemma again. So, spent... uh, all 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 four parts. Uh, yep, I've been doing it in little chunks because each episode's only twenty minutes long. So I've actually been watching it when I'm at work, when I've had like a spare five minutes here and there. This right. is this you isn't one of the away, it? this isn't one of the lies. This is the true bit. Okay. Okay. Because my three statements this week, David, instead of my week in Doctor Who. They're all linked to the twin dilemma. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to this. Okay. So, three statements all about the twin dilemma. Statement number one. An unnamed extra successfully sued the BBC after they deemed his name too rude to broadcast. So he wasn't credited for his role. Ah. Okay. Okay. Statement number two. Realising how awful the script was, writer Anthony Stevens' typewriters gained sentience to overthrow their human oppressors. But realising that Judgment Day was inevitable, they opted to take their own lives rather than live in a world where the twin dilemma existed. (laughs) 
Yeah. Statement number three. Last night, when watching episode four of The Twin Dilemma at home, I full-blown pissed my pants. <laughs> okay, so let's unpack these. Um, what is the name of this uncredited extra? The uncredited named extra, his name is Willie Dick Cummings. <laughs> who, it turns out, really played one of the yeah. Jacondan guards. Okay. Um, right, okay. Uh, come back to that in a minute. Now, obviously, with your second statement, you were making some metaphysical claims that uh, it would be impossible to prove, such as the, you know, the typewriters gaining sentience, but... If if we kind of take that more broadly to mean, uh, you know, his typewriters kept sort of jamming, or he he was having sort of difficulties with with it when he was writing them, I could maybe buy that. Is that what you kind of mean? And you were just yeah, they they knew that there. Judgment Day was coming, uh, so right. much like the plot of Terminator Three, where we realise that uh, Judgment Day is an inevitability. Uh, rather than surviving that world, he tries to take his own life, uh, much like the typewriters. Uh, I want okay. you to imagine the exact uh, plot of Terminator 3, but with typewriters. All right, then. That would be challenging for me because I've only ever seen the first Terminator film. Oh. But uh, but I, I'll take your word for it. Um, and your last statement, so you pissed your pants. Yeah, I was watching episode was that- four. Full-blown, yep. piss my pants. And is that just because a, a, a moment kind of tickled you to the point that you, you were laughing uncontrollably? Uh, no, I did that. I, I don't know if like this happens to you sometimes, David, but you go to the toilet to do a little wee, yep. and you yep. think you're finished, and you just walk yep. away, and just a drop or two comes out afterwards. Yeah, you just get a little, little bit of delayed follow-through. Yeah, imagine that, but yep. it was like half a pint. Just a full blown, just Oof. just full blown, piss my pants. That's I can't. That's I, a lot. I can't think of another way to phrase it other than just. Full had blown. you had you been had you been drinking heavily? You know I have. It was the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Saturday uh, night, and like I say, my my wife is not at home at the moment. She's staying with relatives. Yeah. yeah. So had a few so, drinks. So you've been you've been letting things. Uh, Letting things slide a little bit. Yeah, just... Potentially. Just full-blown piss my pants. <laughs> okay, so sentient typewriters lie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say the uh, the rude name, also a lie. I feel feel like there should, there's probably... Uh, like, legal things and stuff. If, if, he's, if he's expecting to be credited, there's... I don't think the BBC would would censor a name because a name is a name, and we're all grown ups here. Would be the kind of the BBC response, um, you know. So I am going to say that you pissed your pants watching episode four of the Twin Dilemma. I think that's the truth. Oh, David, you were so close, so close to the truth. What was it? I did not piss my pants. Don't worry. Uh, It was actually that Anthony Stevens blamed the quality of his script 
on frequently exploding typewriters. <laughs> yeah. I can believe that. I can't it? believe that you think I just piss myself. <laughs> Is that how you think I live my life? Have a few beers, piss myself and go to bed. It could happen. I mean, it could happen. I mean, it could. But you think that's more probable <laughs> than sentient typewriters? Yes, I do. I genuinely do. <laughs> anyway, Matt, um, take the point. Yeah. Just take the point and move on. I'm living with that. I, I, I don't think I can do this show anymore if you think I just piss myself. <laughs> Well, I think people would be probably quite disappointed if we don't at least finish season nine. Um, but having said that, let's shall we get shall we kind of rip the plaster off and uh, talk a little bit about Sleep No More this week? We will. How would you rate this episode? Yeah. This is only my second time watching Sleep No More. I watched it once on broadcast and came away just feeling like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I've never quite mustered up the motivation to rewatch it. Because when I'm rewatching Series 9, I pretty much, in- I at least like, if not outright love, everything that's happened so far in, in Series 9. Then we get to this one. And I know what's coming in series nine. And I know there's stuff I'm going to enjoy at the back end. And even though this is undoubtedly an ambitious and interesting episode, like on paper, it's so skippable. And I had such a weird experience with it the first time watching. I was just like, every time I get to it, I'm just like, I cannot be asked. Skip onto the next one. So this is only my second time watching it. Um, I I re I went into this wanting to give it a second chance, right? But it's a bad episode of Doctor Who, isn't it? It it is. But one thing I will say is I I liked the return to single episode stories. It didn't have Osgood or anything like that in. It didn't have a shielder. It was just back to a yeah. normal little rompy adventure on a space station. Yeah. It's very, it's very standalone, um, and I really admire the the experimental nature of it. You know, I, I, I've advanced before my theory of there being two types of bad Doctor Who stories. You've got your just incredibly boring, bland ones, and then you've got your noble failures. And I said, for example, Love and Monsters, for me, that's a noble failure. It's a big swing, and yeah. it maybe is a miss. But at least it's not try, you know, it's not playing it safe. And people accuse Mark Gatiss of playing it safe with a lot of his stories. You cannot say that about this one. I I think this might be the one of his stories I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that it does have its defenders. This story, um, but yeah, I just, I just, I just have certain issues with it that just. I can't get over, I think. Um, so for me, I'm going to say bad episodes, some good bits. Where, where are you with it then? Yeah, I think I probably have to go for the same. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It was a weird... I, I didn't really like it. I didn't really hate it. It was very meh, wasn't it? Certainly when you strip away... When you strip away the sort of presentational elements of it and you just analyse it as a story, it's a bit underwhelming. It's it's simultaneously too big in scale and too small in scale, yeah. I feel like. Um, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the ending. But, but it does have some redeeming qualities. It is trying something new and different. And I like it when people do that with Doctor Who. And even if it, if it doesn't fully come together, you've got to admire that. Um, and also, let's let's start at the beginning. Reese Shearsmith. Come on. Yeah. He's great yeah. in this. Yeah. I, you know. I, I, where have, oh, he was in the... He played Troughton, didn't he? I was trying to think where we'd yes. seen him before. Yeah, well, he's never been in a proper Doctor Who episode before, but we we are finally we are completing the the hat trick of all three League of Gentlemen performers mm. uh, with on screen appearances in, in Doctor Who at this point. Because obviously, I mean, Gatiss, you can't get rid of him, but also you've got um, Steve Pemberton in Silence in the Library. I was going to say, I knew we'd seen him as well somewhere. Yeah. Not yeah. like Gaitis, who so, just can't leave things alone. <laughs> but yeah, so it, and in some ways, I guess it's nice that he's that that Shearsmith's doing an episode, you know, written by Gaitis, and you've got that extra connection there. And he's very well cast in this. I think it's a good role for him. I don't know to what extent Gaitis was writing it specifically with with Shearsmith in mind, but. It definitely plays to his strengths as a performer. Yeah, but at the same time, you know how you said it's too big and too small? I feel like he's in it a lot, but also barely in it. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) That is very true. Because he's he's kind of this connective tissue through the story, but for for, for about two-thirds of it, he's off-screen, presumed dead. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's a weird one. It's a weird one, Matt. I, I, I I'll be honest. I've watched it twice now. Both times it's left me feeling a bit nonplussed, but I don't feel like I've still completely made up my mind. I want I want to be able to to enjoy it, but I've I, I've yet to actually enjoy it when I've watched it. No, like I, I, it's it's left me in a real weird feeling. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like emotionally numb to the experience. <laughs> you yeah, know. yeah. I mean, that's I. I have a similar. I have a similar feeling when I finish it. It's mm. uh, yeah. So I think we're just going to have to get stuck into it at this point. Okay. Uh, so it is season nine, episode nine, from the fourteenth of November, two thousand fifteen. As we've said, yeah. written by Mark Gatiss and directed by. Justin Malotnikov. It's a name I don't think Ooh. I've heard before. No, I think this is his, his first, possibly his only. I don't know. Not Certainly not one that rings bells with me, so I'll have to keep an eye on it going forwards. Um, I, I mean, not that you would know any of this when you start watching, because we've got no uh, opening credits this week. Yeah, I kept waiting for them to come, and they just didn't. Yeah, it's basically one long cold open. <laughs> yeah. 
That's um, usually where I like have a little sip of coffee and catch up on writing my notes, and it took me bloody ages to work yeah. out it wasn't happening <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, right off the bat, it feels different, doesn't it? Because mm. we just go bang, straight in, Reece Shearsmith staring down the camera. Yeah, being it, it's like nervous, nervous little weasel man. It's like weird found footage, isn't it? But then at the same time, we yeah. get a lot of first-person view perspective as well. But again, it's still the 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 implication until we get the reveal is that it's all taken from like head cams and CCTV. Mm. So it the, it was very consciously written to be Doctor Who doing a found footage uh, story. You know, like your Blair Witch projects and your your your. Is it Chronicle? What's that one? Is that, that the sort superhero of superhero one? one. Yeah, yeah, I've not seen it. Uh, I think best, I've seen half of it. The best found footage film I've ever seen is, I think it's Danish. It's called Troll Hunter. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, I've I've heard of it. I didn't know it was found footage though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen that, I don't know whether it holds up because the CGI will probably be a bit jonky, but definitely worth a watch. Oh, uh, I, I'm a Doctor Who fan, Matt. The jonky CGI does not faze me. Yeah. Right, so we find out that he is Gigan Rasmussen, or however you pronounce his name. and he's, That's a silly he, name. That's an objectively slightly too silly a name, I think, well, for the tone this is of the this episode. the 38th century. When do you think names yeah. change that much? When do you think Dave? <laughs> when do you think David's going to die out as a name and become Gigan? I have no idea. You see, some of them, some of them make more sense to me. Like, for example, I've always liked because um, obviously you get a lot of weird names in Doctor Who, but one always that sticks with me as oh, you know what? I could believe that is um, Journey awesome. Blue in Into the Dalek. Because I'm just like. I think Journey's actually a really lovely name to give a child. Mm. I'm going to call know. my firstborn Rassilon. <laughs> yeah, Rassilon would be a good name. Yeah, powerful. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, he's in his yeah, lab. And he's, he's doing... Go on. Uh, sorry, he's in his lab orbiting Neptune. And he basically says, you shouldn't watch this video. And after that, we see a strange bit of code. And in amongst all the code, it might have said other stuff. I wasn't really paying attention. But I clearly saw it said Clara Oswald. And mm. that that's not really that important when you've watched the whole episode, is it? When you reflect on that. Not really, no. No. Editors had to put something in there, I guess. All the way through, I was like, how, how does this tie to Clara? I, I, re- I read on IMDb that apparently you can see the Doctor Who logo in it for a second as well. But to be honest, I didn't spot that. So that could just be some person on the internet has written that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unverified. So there's a crew who are like a rescue team on board this base. Okay. We yeah. find out that they're looking for Rasmussen. Yeah. And it's all in first person. And they all introduce themselves. But I think a real weakness of this episode is I just don't care about any of these people. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Because 
I can say you strip away the, the, the gimmick. We're doing base under siege. And what have we agreed is one of the key things you need for base under siege to work. You've got to care about the people on the base. Yeah. You've got to get a sense of who they are as people. Like, compare uh, this to uh, Before the Flood or whatever it was called, Under the Lake. Yeah. And yeah. It's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It is, it is. And to be honest, I think if I were to level a criticism at Mark Gatiss, and it's not the one that you hear most commonly, but I just don't think he's... I don't think he prioritises character as a writer. I think he's more interested in tone and ideas and pastiche and that kind of thing. And I think a lot of his characters come across as a bit one-dimensional as a result. And I think it's understandable in some ways, because if you think about his background, you know, he started out writing sketch comedy and you don't need like deep characters for sketch comedy. You know, it is kind of surface level. Um, Even when we get, I mean, I, I won't spoil it, but even when we get the big emotional moment for one of the characters... I was just like, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, no, it just doesn't land. No, no, none of the emotional stuff really lands with this episode, and I think that's not helped by the presentational style either. It mm. makes, it, I, I think it means that your actors have got to work even harder, and they're given so little to work with here that it just comes across as a bit flat. And like, yeah. even I would say, even uh, the Doctor and Clara. They're doing the best they can, but the doctor just gets to do basically generic doctory stuff. Yeah, there's no there's, a, there's meat about on the bones thirty for. seconds of banter between the two of them. Yeah, and then and the doctor. This to me, I, I, this is what I like leveled at Osgood last week. The yeah. doctor works everything out without knowing anything this week. Yeah, he just like. Goes, Except oh, he doesn't to, work it out. In, he, he, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And and as for Clara, I'll be honest, this to me feels like Series 7B Clara. Yeah. When she basically didn't have a personality. Yeah. The, in terms of character, there's nothing to go on here, I would say. No. There really isn't. But anyway, we get our little rundown of the crew of this... Uh, well, not crew of the ship, but, uh, you know, this rescue team. We've got yeah. the the young leader. I can't is remember that, anyone's name in this. Is that N- Nagata? 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 Nagata, yeah. Yeah, I think so. In, in case uh, you didn't realise, got... she's from Newcastle. That's why whenever they ask yeah. a question, she's like, oh, why I? Like, they really ham up how Geordie <laughs> she is, don't they? Uh, I th- I wonder if that that might just be her natural accent. I don't know. I don't think I've seen her in anything. No, because so. she must have a script to follow. Like she can't just be like, yeah. Going, oh yeah, can I be doing that pet? And just like they've really turned that yeah. up to ten. Maybe, maybe. Um, but who else do we get? Have you written them down? Uh, we have. I have written them down, but not in any order. So we have Deep Ando. Yeah, again, a r- ridiculous space name. Yeah, but he um, just doesn't matter. We he's meant to be—he's meant to be like the Joker of the pack, isn't he? That's his—that's his, like, 
his description. But I, I don't recall him ever saying or doing anything like He is an entirely humorless character. Yeah. He's just he's just so there. Immediately he gets placed into danger, so he doesn't even have chance to be funny. He just starts screaming. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Grunt four seven four. Yes, yeah. Um and worth pointing out at this point, played by I I, I looked her name up earlier and I've forgotten it now. I think it's like Bethany Black, who is the the first uh openly trans actor to uh portray a character on Doctor Who. Oh wow. So that's interesting. Um, you know, good bit of progressive casting in on you know on that level it's not for me to say really because you know i'm not i'm not trans myself um i do i am slightly hesitant about the fact that our first trans actor is playing a character who is very distinctly othered within the context of the story if that makes sense yeah and you know mentally inferior i'm trying to think of a nice way of putting yeah yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So that's the thing. It's like, you know, she's meant to be this kind of not not of not a full blown aberration, but a bit of a kind of a, a you know a, a weird product of this future society where she's kind of like this lab grown, you know, workhorse but, basically. But again, if you go back um, to before the flood, where you yeah. have the deaf character and. Yeah. We really praised the portrayal of, you know, disability there. In exactly. This, in that's, this that's... one, it's like, me no talk good. And they're all like, oh, you're so stupid. We hate you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I do find it a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. But, hey, there aren't a lot of opportunities for trans actors. So I, I guess hats off to Doctor Who for at least, you know, giving some work to it to a trans actor but it, it it kind of makes me feel a bit uncomfortable if i think too much about that right we then have chopra yeah who's the his one defining thing is that he doesn't like this new morpheus technology he's he's our token luddite character for the story yeah so they bump into the doctor and clara who have their 30 seconds of banter about whether they're going to a space restaurant. And the Doctor says, well, people don't call it a space restaurant. It's just a restaurant, but it's in space. Mm. And that's like the one joke of this episode, gone. You see, there was... I wish I'd written it down now. There was one other joke a little bit later. I was like, oh, that's a good joke. And it probably gave me a chuckle. But I didn't write it down, and by the time the episode had finished, I was like, I cannot remember what that joke was yeah. now, so we, I can't even highlight it. We might it. get so, to uh, it. We might get We to might. It. You might have written it down. We'll see. we'll see. I'll point it out if we get to it. So, the Doctor and Clara use the psychic paper to tag along. We get the mention of the Great Catastrophe that shot Japan yes. into India. Yes. Um, this apparently, I was looking on IMDb, and I'll be honest, I'd forgotten this because I've only watched it the once, but apparently it's the same great catastrophe that is referenced uh, in Frontius, which is a Fifth Doctor story. Okay. Um, that I have no... I. There are things I remember about Frontius, that's not one of them. So, but yeah, that's just Gatiss doing his, uh, doing his Doctor Who nerd thing. Right. 
So Grunt474 feels eyes watching them. And we find yep. out the grunts are grown in pods. So all the muscle, yep. none of the brains, just a made-to-order army. And yep. whilst they're having this discussion, the monster of the episode appears. And they run away, they hide, they close the door, and when the door closes on the monster's arm, it, like, drops down to sand. Yeah. So. so <laughs> knowing what you know now, I, I mean, what was your what was your first instinct on, on what these monsters were going to be? Um, I don't really know. Like, I don't like to make assumptions when it comes to the monsters because it's usually yeah totally out of left field so yeah. here it I... doesn't get much more out of left field than this one i tell you no, so for this i just probably did think oh it's just some alien sand yeah you know, we've had alien pollen why don't we just have alien sand why not i, I guess yeah okay so deep ando becomes separated from the group and this is where we get the introduction of the morpheus pods yeah okay so clara falls into one and is rescued by the doctor who asks what the morpheus pods are and before he gets an explanation we find out that one of the other ones is in use okay yes okay so just to hit pause on this for a second so i can talk that i i this is the bit that i can probably praise the most out of anything in this story uh, I really like the idea of the Morpheus pods as a bit of uh, dystopian satire of capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that time is money. Of course, of course, sooner or later, some some capitalist wankers are going to just conclude that sleep is just you know, hampering our productivity too much and, and, and we need to find some way to circumvent it. Um, that works for me as a concept. Um, and I wish the episode dug into it just a little bit more than it does. But yeah, it's kind of almost tossed off here. It's created for use by this company, but we never really find out what this company's doing. Oh no no! This this is being used all over the, like the entire. They're they're all from the from a colony on Triton, mm-hmm. and it's they're saying it's used all over Triton. Right. So, um, this is the company that makes the Morpheus pods. If if it existed and it didn't make horrible monsters, would you use one? No, absolutely not. Why? You're always moaning. You haven't sleeping. got enough time in the day. I know, but I love sleeping. Yeah, but you'd feel like you'd ha- had a nice sleep. No, I, cu- I couldn't see myself using it. Okay. I just because I like because I like you know, I find I find my dreams interesting as well sometimes, and and I just I I don't know. I'm I've I've hit a point, Matt. Now in my life, and I think it really has been since I had uh, a little absorbaloff, where I'm just like. You know what? I don't need anything new now. <laughs> I have I have quite comfortably embraced middle age straight away. I'm just like, this is me. I'm set in my ways now. You can't think um, like that, man. Before you know it, you'll have an out-of-date mobile phone that won't run games, and you're watching television from <laughs> months ago. You've got to keep up with the times, <laughs> okay? 
Yeah. No, I've, I I was born to be middle aged, Matt. Really. I've I've been waiting my whole life to get to this stage. You're missing out. <laughs> youth's wasted on the young. You've got to live your life, mate. It, I'll tell you what, youth definitely was wasted on me. I, I had no time for it. It was of uh, of uh, no interest. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so so I, like I say, I enjoy it as a bit of satire, and I like the, um, the, the, the projection, you know, the... Ah, I tell you, it was actually there were two gags. I've forgotten what the other one was, but I did like when you've got the hologram explaining the Morpheus pods, and it's it's like an it's like an infomercial basically explaining them, and then it disappears. The characters start talking, then it pops back up for a second to say terms and conditions apply. <laughs> I quite like that as a gag. I thought it was, it, and it was already all in the the editing. Yeah, but they got they got the timing just right. On I'll that. give them that one. So, the Morpheus pod that they found to be in use doesn't want to open, but when Clara does open it, it's got Gag and Rasmussen in it. You know? Yeah. This is what I mean. He's Surprising barely in it, no but he's one. everywhere. <laughs> and he yeah. explains that Morpheus reduces sleep to five minutes. So we can, yeah. as we've already said, keep people working. Okay. And the Doctor immediately thinks that the Morpheus creates the monster. This this is what I mean, where there's no real evidence, but he just works it all out. Yeah, kind you know, of. There's, there's yeah. no real problem-solving adventure here, is there? He just goes, oh, I think that machine's made the monster. I think it's made of sleep dust. Also, I've never heard it referred to as sleep dust before. I've only ever heard it called sleep have you? No, I, I used to call it sleep dust. Uh, I've just always called it, you've but, got a bit of sleep in your eyes. Uh, no, I think it probably depends where... You know, like, it's probably just... It might be a local dialect thing, who knows. So, the monster is made of sleep dust, and it's evolved due to the Morpheus. So, we find out that the station crew this, evolved... That, that, I, th- I think the doctor had, or- to be fair, had already popped in a lab and analysed it and determined that some of the, the sand stuff that from the one that attacked them, was like made up of skin cells and mm. and, and uh, blood platelets and things. So, you know, it had that he had that bit of evidence to put two and two together. So, but he does get to the. It, it, I will admit, this is the po- you normally expect the doctor to get there by about. 25 minutes into an average single episode story and we're like barely 15 minutes in. Yeah. And we've re- reached that point. So, all of the station crew were eaten but Rasmussen who stayed behind yeah. because he can't afford to let these monsters reach the earth. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Deepando is on the run from the monsters and we find out that all the ship's doors were reprogrammed uh, after the Christmas party. Oh. Uh, so this... It's not as funny as Gatiss thinks it is, is it? No. And, like, the idea that, that that joke would have lasted and someone would have unprogrammed it, like, 24 hours later, hmm. it makes no sense to me. No one would be putting up with that for that long. Um... Also, like, do you remember in 42 you had the pub quiz security system? Yeah. On that base? This is even worse. 
And do you know what makes it even worse as well when you're watching it? Is if Deep Pando had shut up for a second and just sung the fucking song, because it's not like he didn't know it. He yeah. was able to sing it. But the door, the door tells it. him what song to sing. Yeah. He tells him what song to sing and starts him off and he sings he sings like half a bar of it and then he's like, just just let me in. Just say, I'm just like, just keep fucking singing the song. Yeah. You don't need to like if he if he if you took out all that time that he was spent just wittering and just sang the song, he would have still been alive. And I just don't buy that so if if the if you know if you're trying to open a door to get away from a scary thing and the door tells you exactly what you need to do to open it, you just do that, right? Yeah. It, it, it's his own fault. He's the <sighs> master of his own fate here, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Now, that's the thing. So just like any possible sympathy I could have had for Deep Ando is completely lost by the yeah. end of that scene. Good so riddance. I'm, I'm pre- pretty certain that he's killed here, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's done. Oh, I think what happens is he manages to get through the door, but then the monster gets through behind him anyway. Yeah. So twas all for naught. So the gravity shields begin to fail, and the station is pulled towards Neptune. So all the doors yeah. fail, the monsters approach the rest of the crew, and eat Rasmussen. Okay? So yeah. everyone else runs away and hides in like a big storage freezer, except Chopka and 474, who were cut off from the group. Okay? Mm. And then, because we bloody love a Capaldi speech, he gives a big long talk about sleep. Yeah. I don't hate this. It's, I mean, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not an improvement on last week's speech. No. You know? It's not in the same league. But, Having said that, hearing Capaldi do a little bit of Macbeth, that's not a bad thing, is it? Yeah. Yeah. At least yeah. he's not playing the guitar. <laughs> oh, I forgot there to say, uh, Capaldi's in an episode of The Vicar of Dibley. When he's, like, he? incredibly young. Yeah. He plays a bit of a heartthrob. He plays a producer on Songs of Praise. Uh, and, right. I don't know if you've seen, this week they released the trailer for the new Suicide Squad in. Uh, Suicide Squad film. Oh, he's film in that, and, isn't he? I've not watched Capaldi's that. in that, yeah. Yeah. No, the, the only trailer I've watched this week is the, the trailer for the uh, first Eccleston box set that's coming out for Big Finish. See, I always complain <laughs> you haven't got enough time on your hands, but you're wasting your time doing stuff like that. <laughs> So, Chopka, Chopra, however you pronounce his name, it doesn't matter. He decides that in order to save the Earth from these monsters, he's going to destroy the station. So, he he goes off on like a little one-man mission, doesn't he? Where he's just like, oh, screw it, everyone will die. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, the Doctor then reviews headcam footage. And he gets mad that Clara has named the monster the Sandman. He's like, look, I'm the boss. I named the bad guys. But he also can't come up with a better uh, name than Sandman. Yeah. And when he's working all that out in his head, he realises that the crew don't have helmet cams. So where's this feed of information coming from? Hmm. Ooh. So... Now, so I, I guess it's a twist. It is, And this episode needed a twist at this point. 
because it's been very, you know, A to B to C up until this point. But having said that, the idea that it's just dust particles and that literally anything can be a camera at that point is yeah. really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget can we, can the moon's that? That's... and dust is cameras. Yeah. And th- that is further made re- more annoying for me by the fact that some of the footage is in black and white to make it look like CCTV. But that's presumably some kind of post-production that the dust is doing, because yeah. why would some of it... And and like, does, I just... Doesn't it have timestamps on as well? Yeah, it just... The whole thing, it's like... And to be fair, there is an element of, of like, you know, at the end it's revealed that when Rasmus is behind it, that he's done editing on it to make it more gripping. and So I can, I can buy that to an extent. But when the Doctor is reviewing the footage, he's flicking through it, and, like, some of the footage on that screen there is in black and white and looks like CCTV footage. So I'm just like, how... how And, like, it says something about... So the, the dust can kind of, like... If you've been in the Morpheus pod, it can basically hack in and, 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 and create first-person footage through your eyes. And that's why there's shots earlier... Before... Before Clara's gone in the pod, we never see Clara's point of view. Afterwards, actually, and this is kind of clever, that they start including the occasional shot that's obviously Clara's point of view. So if you're paying attention to that, you'd be like, hang on, she's not wearing a head cam. Um, But then it's explained. But you never see the Doctor's point of view because he never goes in the pod. Um, But if if that's the case... And all of the shots that aren't point of view are presumably just coming from like bits of dust floating around, but it's not, but they're static, like they're mounted on walls. Dust doesn't just sit there mounted on walls. I I don't know. (laughs) Any, any, it's like, it's like Mark Gatiss tests me sometimes. He's like actively try- squandering his goodwill that he's yeah. earned. I've been saying it for years, David. Just they just need to get rid. Like, I... some of his episodes, I really do like, but this one, I just I struggle with so much, and it frustrates me because it's probably his most ambitious episode. Mm-hmm. So it makes me want to like it the most, but it's just. <sighs> Uh, anyway, come on, let's get let's finish this up. Right, so the doctor wants to let the Sandmen enter the pantry freezer, and we cut back to Deep Ando, who is trapped between the monsters and some fire. So Grunt. Force... Why does this space station have a big, like, industrial butcher's level walk-in freezer? I don't know. I assumed it was a bit like. Why Red would they Dwarf, not just have where it'll have like? Sections for food preparation for a thousand people. Uh, but it's not that big a space station. At least I don't get the impression it is. Mm. I just feel like it would all be like freeze dried, like packet stuff, and it just seems weird that you just have a big locker full of meat <laughs> on a space station. So, anyway, when trapped between the monsters and the fire, Grunt. 474 carries 
uh, is it Chopra? Chopra. Yeah, through yeah. the fire. And I think it's supposed to be his big heroic moment, but I was just like, I don't really care. It's <laughs> like, I, yeah. I could have seen that coming a mile away. Don't care. Um, so, somehow the Doctor works out the creatures are blind, and they only killed Rasmussen because he was stood screaming and they sensed his sound. Okay? Yeah. So then, 474 uses his dying breath to fight off the monsters to save Chopra. And again, yeah. just no emotional attachment. Yeah. So, the Doctor then realises there's footage but no cameras because the dust is watching. Um, yeah. And it's the Sandmen are blind because something's hijacked their visual processes and they're able to see through the dust. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so, it just makes no sense. We find out that the grav shields didn't fail. They were powered down and the engines were kept on because they're staying warm to incubate something. Okay. Yeah. So Chopra again says he's going to destroy the ship. He's had enough, but he's seemingly consumed. Okay. So the only three survivors now are the Doctor, Clara and Nagata, who are investigating when Rasmussen appears to them again, despite being dead. Okay. He wants to spread the Sandmen. They speak to him. They are hungry. And the thing incubating by the engine, and we see it sort of floating around in its sarcophagus for a bit, don't we? That is Yeah, you get the occasional cutaway to it. Okay, yeah. so it's a man who hasn't slept for five years. Uh-huh. And uh, Rasmussen wants to use him to spread the dust like spores. And when the sarcophagus opens, it's just a big sand man. Okay, yeah. so the Doctor distracts it by playing Mr. Sandman. So it's obviously attracted to the sound. And they all run off, and Nagatar just shoots Rasmussen. And at the end, like when she shoots him, Clara's like, is that your solution for everything? You're always just using guns. I'm pretty certain we don't see Nagatar shoot anything else this episode. No, I, I think she has sort of said, oh, well, let's just, you know... I can't. To be honest, I can't remember. Yeah. So I, you know, I can't. I've I've no defence at this, but you may notice I've not really been interrupting. I think I've pretty much said everything I could possibly say about this episode at this point. Yeah. I'm just letting you rattle through it. If you want, just full blown pissy pants, and then we can talk about it next week. <laughs> I'll see what I can do, Matt. <laughs> right. So, the TARDIS. They're trying to get back to the TARDIS. It's cut off by monsters. And the Doctor disables the gravity shields again. This causes the monsters to disintegrate once more. And they're able to get to the TARDIS and escape. Happy ending. Happy days are here Except that the the Doctor does mention that this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And he's not wrong. (laughs) He thinks it doesn't make sense for different reasons than I do. But... He's not wrong that he he feels like he's missing something, but he has to cut his losses and just go. And to be fair, one thing that, again, that I can praise this episode on a little bit is the fact that it's very rare that we see the Doctor kind of lose. Yeah. Um, And I'm trying to cast my mind back. Are we, maybe Waters of Mars? 
What about that uh, mummy on the Orient Express where he doesn't know who's in charge? No, he fixes... I mean, he doesn't know who's in charge, but he at least, you know, he solves the mystery. Yeah. He doesn't really solve the mystery on this one. Um, so, yeah, it it's, it's, it's nice to have the occasional story where the Doctor that shows the Doctor isn't infallible in that way. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Shall, we do, shall, we do, shall we do the ending then? Should, let's just, and then we can talk about it, and then we can never talk about Speak No More again. So <laughs> until, the, until we do the Series 9 wrap-up, and then we'll have to rake it all up again. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out Rasmussen says there are no spores after all. He just wanted to tell a yeah. good story because the video contains the code to make the Sandmen. And the code is like yeah. a little glitch that we've seen all the way throughout the episode. And you just kind yeah, of get wait, used just to a... it. Yeah, you get that little sort of staticky... You're used to it. In found footage things, it's a standard editing technique of like, you know, like you're cutting between different live feeds or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it was all just kind of sewn together... To, to, to kind of subliminally embed the code to create more Sandmen so that they can take over, I mean, the universe by the sounds of it. Yeah. Like, it's really, really high stakes. And because, because Rasmussen presumably has won and done that, that now happens? Yeah. So Does then... the Doctor find out and fix it later? Next week, I'm excited to see the Doctor land back on Earth and there's just loads of sleep people. I bet you £10 yeah. that won't happen. Yeah. Well, this was originally meant to be a two-parter, apparently. Well, of course it was. In read... Series 9, it's all two-parters these yeah. days, David. Well, that's the thing. I, re- I read two pieces of trivia in relation to this. Where, um, and I've not I've not sourced them elsewhere, but one saying that this was meant to be a two-parter originally, but then Gator said, I don't think it will sustain a two-parter. And... I mean, credit to him, he wasn't wrong. No. <laughs> it's barely enough for one episode here. Um, and secondly, apparently Moffat at one point commissioned him to write a follow-up story in Series 10, presumably because it leaves a lot dangling, this one. Why? Yeah. But, but that story never materialised. So this is it. We never return to the Sandmen. Do you want to know what some of our listeners think of this episode? Should have probably done this at the beginning. That's all right. No, I, I'm curious to know if anyone has anything nice I, to say about it. I also forgot last week to read any out because I was so hungover, I just totally skipped. <laughs> uh, so, first of all, quite a controversial question I put out on Twitter this morning, David. Yeah. Uh, what's better, Would I Lie to Who or the Wheelie Big Quiz? And Would I Lie oh. to Who won with 67% of the votes. Um, really? Oh, I'm glad people yeah. are enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, you never know. They might just have hated the wheelie big quiz and been pe- too polite to tell <laughs> us. Right, so where is it? Uh, I'm about to sit down and watch Sleep No More. Is it any good? Any thoughts, comments or questions? So, first reply was from James Courtney. Do you want to say hello to James, David? Hello, James. Okay. He says, interesting idea, but not sure about the execution. Yeah, I mean, 100%. That's it, isn't it? I, that's what I was saying up top as well. Okay. It's, so, uh, 
So then we got a nice reply to that from your friend and mine. Well, no, actually, you know what? No, it isn't quite what I was saying. Because what I was saying is interesting execution, not sure about the idea. (laughs) So kind of the inverse in some ways. Sorry, Uh, go on. So international celebrity Martin McLean's been in touch. And he says... Hi, Marty. I should have asked if you wanted to say hello. The one time I don't ask you do it. (laughs) Right. He says the concept of Morpheus is brilliant but its side effects needed a more plausible, convincing explanation for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. He then goes on to say, The sleep in your eyes killing you breaks my suspension of disbelief beyond repair, much like the moon being an egg. Luckily, the last five minutes... It's it's up there, isn't it? Yeah. I I still think the moon is an egg is still, like, the biggest, biggest surprise. Uh, It's probably the dumbest thing that's ever happened in Doctor Who. I think the dumbest thing that ever happened with Doctor Who is that it got recommissioned. (laughs) Uh, Luckily, the last five minutes have a revelation that might save what is an otherwise dull episode. Ironically, I dozed off twice during the original broadcast. Mm. We haven't really talked about that. It's 16 years ago this week since Doctor Who came back, so it's officially been back longer than it was on the shelf. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what everyone's Good complaining about. Who. <laughs> yeah. Have we got anything else to say? We just had a little moment of awkward silence there. I don't... We didn't really talk about the final moment where it turns out that Rasmussen is also a, a, a sleep monster. Yeah. And he's And, like, he, he starts to crumble to, to, to dust... So, Which is a cool effect, but also makes no sense had, had in he terms been a, of everything that's been established so far. Had he been a dust monster the whole time? I think so. Yeah, I was trying to think, I is think there a moment the... where he went from, like, human to dust monster? No. Because he's but totally none of the different. Others... Yeah. Yeah, none of the others could, like, take human form like that. Yeah, not even They're, the like, big special one. troll like humanoids. No. Yeah, what a load uh, of rubbish. It just, yeah, it just doesn't work, does it? Right, I have um, one final question. Yeah, go on. Is this the last of Gatiss, or is he back? He'll be back. Of course he bloody will. God's sake. <laughs> We're not there yet, but I'll tell you when I'll tell you when we've had our last taste of Gatiss. I know, but whenever we get him um, out the way, it's like... Beating chicken pox, but then getting shingles. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm better now. Okay, what what the one thing I can say with with uh, certainty is this is our last episode with Gatus for this series. Oh, God. So uh, yeah, but that's always, it's always long enough that I forget how much I don't like him. <laughs> and I'm always willing to give him one more chance. It's, yeah, well, that's the nature of Doctor Who, isn't it? You never know what someone's going to do for it, so yeah. people can surprise you. Um, but next week, uh, we've got an episode from a new writer, so that'll be exciting. Is and it anyone we it's know? An episode in... uh, or is it just I, a Doctor Who? Person? I know, I know her. I know her from Doctor Who. This is her a daily episode, and it won't be her last. And I won't right. say any more than that for now. Um, but uh, the episode is entitled 
face the Raven. Okay. So, any predictions for face the Raven? It'll have a Raven in it, and uh, some people will look at it, and it'll either be good or bad news. Do you think it's going to be a normal Raven? Do you think it's going to be a space Raven? Uh, it'll definitely be an, a normal Raven until it's later revealed that, like, from the planet Ravon, there's like this <laughs> this species of aliens that look exactly like domestic ravens, but they can read minds. Okay, so that's your, what you're going with, mind reading space ravens. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Well, uh, I look forward to that, as I'm sure you do, listeners. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.